48K News. Headlines. A truck crashes into a village house, killing two men. The U.S. unleashes trade war with latest tariffs on China. An former military diver dies during a rescue operation in Thailand. Two men have died after a truck crashed into a village house in Lok Ma Chau this morning. A man in the house and the driver were pronounced dead after they were rushed to hospitals. Police say the accident happened at around nine during near the pop-up shopping complex, The Boxes. TV footage showed the village house collapsed after the accident. Rescuers are searching debris to see if anyone is trapped. The United States is imposing tariffs on 34 billion US dollars worth of imports from China as a dispute between the world's two largest economies threatens to turn into a full-blown trade war. President Trump earlier confirmed levies would be imposed on goods including aircraft parts and semiconductors. China says it is forced to make a necessary counterattack to a US tariff hike, but it didn't give immediate details of possible retaliation. Here's the BBC's Karishma Vaswani. At the heart of this trade war is U.S. President Donald Trump's insistence that China has been unfair in its trade practices, and he wants to reset the balance. Beijing says that's not true, and with these actions, it says the U.S. is opening fire on the entire world, including itself. What China means is that these tariffs will effectively make goods for consumers everywhere more expensive. Economists say global trade and global growth could be affected if hostilities between both sides continue. A former military diver has died after running out of oxygen while helping in the rescue of 12 boys and their football coach trapped in a cave in Thailand. The diver was coming back from the spot where the group was found when he lost consciousness around 2 a.m. It highlights the perils of trying to rescue the group, which has been trapped for almost two weeks. Hong Kong-based extreme caver Richard Gerrish says rescuers may be prodded into a complex extraction as forecast rains begin today. I don't think anyone knows for sure whether or not the cave chamber that they're in at the moment will remain safe. And I think that's the big concern at the moment. As the monsoon progresses, the rains will get heavier and heavier. And the question remains is where they are at the moment, will that remain safe for the duration of the monsoon? My answer to that is probably nobody knows as a result of that. But we don't know if they'll be safe there for four months. That sort of really puts the impetus behind a rescue operation now, whilst conditions are as, as favourable as they possibly can be. Dozens of missing Chinese tourists are believed to be trapped in a sunken boat off the coast of Phuket after a dive after a di- after a dive boat capsized in a storm yesterday. Fifty-six people are missing after the vessel was battered by five-meter-high waves. The Phuket governor says there have been no reports of bodies floating in the sea. The boat has sunk to over 30 meters below the surface, where navy divers are trying to reach it. Japanese media say seven members of a doomsday cult which carried out a deadly nerve gas attack on the Tokyo subway in 1995 have been executed. Shoko Azahara, the leader of the Ayu Shinruko group, was among those hanged after years on death row. The BBC's Grand Ferret reports. Shoko Asahara and his followers believed the world was about to be engulfed in a war which only they would survive. They carried out a number of killings, culminating in the attack on the Tokyo Metro 23 years ago. It was carefully planned to harm as many people as possible. Teams of cult members released liquid sarin on three separate trains during the morning rush hour. The vapour quickly affected thousands of commuters, with many left struggling to breathe and unable to see. Thirteen people died.
Lawmakers are calling for the MTR Corporation to be punished over construction scandals on its Shantin to Central Line. At a, a Lechko subcommittee meeting to discuss problems at Tokar One and Exhibition Centre stations, the rail firm apologised for failing to properly supervise work and make timely reports to the government. The DAB's Ben Chen and Edward Lau say MTR management should have their salaries cut, while Pan Democrat says the government shouldn't pay the rail firm its full management fee. The Civic Party's Tanya Chen called for officials, suggested the Transport Secretary Frank Chan to resign. The manager or the upper level of MTRC should be responsible, but I think our Secretary for Transport and Housing has the ultimate duty and the obligation and the responsibility to look after all these uh, construction projects. The Transport Secretary Frank Chen says the government will hold the MTRC accountable if it is found to have made mistakes and may recover fees. Speaking through an interpreter, Mr Chen said it was unacceptable the MTRC didn't notify the government of the work issues. With regard to Tokawan Station, there was deviation from procedures in the incident and the MTRCL was not able to uh, make or do effective supervision and the notification system should be improved. As for the exhibition centre station, that goes to show that in terms of site supervision and also the communication system, there are deficiencies at the MTRCL. The MTRCL has not done its best to make sure that the contractors uh, has to do excavation according to the design. We find this most regrettable. The chairman of the Independent Police Complaints Council, Anthony Neo, says the police watchdog will revisit the case of a Mingpao reporter who alleged he was assaulted by officers during the 2016 Mongkok riot, but only after the police the police's internal complaints unit has done so. Earlier this week, the complaints against police officers rejected the claim, saying there wasn't enough evidence to substantiate it. Mr Neo says he understands the reporter has asked for a review from the office. The review will be done by the office under their procedures and under the law uh, we will of course look at the review results and then look at it again. But unfortunately the law prevents us from giving out any more details. But once in fact the review is completed and it comes to us, we will of course review it and the results will be given to the police and no doubt there will be some public statement at some stage. But we can't do it at this stage. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has arrived in North Korea for his first visit since its leader Kim Jong-un met President Trump last month. Mr. Pompeo is under pressure to produce evidence that Pyongyang is taking steps towards denuclearization as promised at the historic summit in Singapore. The controversial head of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, Scott Pruitt, has blamed what he calls unrelenting attacks against him and his family for his decision to resign. He's the subject of several inquiries into allegations of lavish spending and conflicts of interest. The BBC's Chris Buckler reports. The tabloid tales just kept on coming. Also, there was no signs of all of this going away because there are about a dozen investigations and audits currently taking place, which means that these Claims about Scott Pruitt, how he was spending money in the EPA, how he was perhaps getting himself involved in conflicts of interest, they were just going to keep on coming. And as a result, we have a resignation letter, which is pretty glowing of the president. And Donald Trump himself says that as far as he's concerned, Scott Pruitt is a great man. But I think in simple terms, he had just become a distraction and it was time for him to go.
The mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has given permission for protesters to fly a seven-meter-long blimp depicting Donald Trump as a nappy-wearing baby during the U.S. president's visit to Britain next week. The giant orange balloon will float 30 meters high near the House of Parliament. The BBC's Jackie Leonard reports. The blimp is six meters tall and depicts Mr. Trump as bright orange with yellow hair, an angry expression, wearing a nappy, and with a phone clasped in his hand. The Greater London Authority originally rejected the idea of allowing it, but after an online petition attracted more than 10,000 signatures, it had a change of heart. Critics have suggested that it's a rude, even childish gesture to one of Britain's most important allies. The U.S. government is ordering DNA tests on some 3,000 migrant children in an effort to reunite them with their parents. The families were separated at the border with Mexico under the Trump administration's zero tolerance policy on illegal immigration. Health officials in the Canadian province of Quebec says, say a heat wave has killed 33 people in less than a week. More than half of the victims died in the city of Montreal. Extreme heat has gripped central and eastern Canada since last Friday, with temperatures up to 35 Celsius and high humidity levels. A series of explosions at a fireworks depot near Mexico City has killed at least 24 people and injured about 40 others. Video on social media shows a huge cloud of smoke over the site of Tupac. The biggest blasts took place as police and firefighters arrived at the scene. The public service minister for Mexico State, Maribel Cervantes, says emergency workers were among the casualties. When the emergency services arrived, firefighters, municipal police, and state police, there was a second explosion, and that is why, when they were providing first aid after the initial one, the second one happened, and they lost their lives. And our colleagues are also injured. Britain and Russia have traded accusations about the latest nerve agent poisoning in southwest England. British detectives say they are trying to trace a contaminated item handled by a couple who remain critically ill in Salisbury, where the Russian spy Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia were treated after a near-fatal attack four months ago. Here is the BBC's James Landau. The Home Secretary was clear. Russia, he told MPs, was behind the Novichok attack on Sergei and Yulia Skripal in March. The same nerve agent was involved in the latest incident, so the Russian state had to explain what was going on. But the Kremlin said it had no information about the latest incident, and the Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova accused the government of playing dirty political games. Facebook has apologized for taking down parts of the U.S. Declaration of Independence after they were flagged as hate speech and deleted. A Texas-based newspaper was posting excerpts of the historic document on its Facebook page in the lead-up to the 4th of July. The BBC's Shivani Dave reports. In an attempt to encourage historical literacy among its readers, the Liberty County Vindicator, a community-based paper in Texas, had been sharing excerpts from America's founding document to its Facebook page. Part 10 of the Declaration of Independence did not appear on the site. Instead, the paper received a notice from Facebook saying the post went against its standards on hate speech. The point of contention was a phrase that referred to "merciless Indian savages." Facebook has since apologised for removing the post and allowed it back online. Financial news: A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,409. That's 233 points up from the previous close. Currencies: The U.S. dollar is trading at 110.74 yen. The euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar 16 cents, and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 37 cents. Now to sports. Here's Adam Chung.
First to tennis and the shock results from Wimbledon. Defending champion Garbinia Muguruza is out after losing in the second round to 47th-ranked Alison van Oytvank of Belgium. Muguruza, seeded third in this year's tournament, was beaten 5-7, 6-2-6-1. But that's not the only upset on day four. Last year's men's finalist Marin Cilic has also been ousted. He lost to Argentina's Guido Pella, who's ranked 82 in the world. The BBC's Chris Dennis rounds up the action. Another day, another seed withers on the Wimbledon vine. Chilich was two sets up against Pella when rain stopped play late on Wednesday, but the Argentine fought back brilliantly in bright sunshine to turn the match around and win his first ever at Wimbledon. Chilich was stunned, Pella elated, and the result opens up the top of the draw for Roger Federer. At the bottom, world number one Rafael Nadal came through a tricky encounter with the Kazakh Mikhail Kukushkin, while his opposite number Simona Halep reeled off ten straight games to beat China's Zheng Sai Sai. Other big names to make it through to the third round include Novak Djokovic, Juan Martín del Potro and Kevin Anderson in the men's draw and former finalist Angelique Kerber in the women's. Hong Kong's top female volleyball talents will be on display this weekend at a scholarship scouting event at Pui Ching Middle School. Coaches from at least three U.S. universities will be on hand to recruit local players to their well-established programs. Hong Kong national team player Rachel Tam is a beneficiary of the scouting process. She's studying a degree in exercise science and kinesiology at the University of Evansville in Indiana, having received a full athletic scholarship from the school in 2016. My target as a volleyball player is to pursue a professional career. Um, I hope after I graduate from college that I can still um, playing professional volleyball in um, other countries. Football now. Uruguay star Luis Suarez has been sizing up the France squad ahead of tonight's World Cup quarterfinal meeting between the two former champions. Kylian Mbappe and Antoine Griezmann are expected to carry the low for France up front. Mbappe scored twice to help France knock Argentina out in the last 16. Griezmann, who recently signed a new deal with Atletico Madrid, is still looking to find his rhythm. Suarez knows he has to match their intensity. I don't know what uh, in the in the head of Griezmann. I think uh, he's a really good player. He's brilliant left foot, uh, but we on the focus for the for the French team. I say the same the Mbappe. The late game tonight has Brazil up against Belgium. Their only other previous World Cup encounter was a round of 16 match in 2002. Brazil were 2-0 winners and they went on to lift the World Cup that year. And that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. A truck crashes into a village house, killing two men. The U.S. unleashes trade war with latest tariffs on China. And a former military diver dies during a rescue operation in Thailand. And that's the news from RTHK. Yeah!